Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more interesting divisions at the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron. Uh, by the way, folks, this is my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams. Come on in, Aaron. Hello. Hey, but isn't January supposed to be a slow time of year as far as entertainment news is concerned? Here we are dealing with a tsunami of Marvel stories all at once. Well, Marvel just, they're a machine. They keep having to churn out content because once that big wheel starts turning, you can't dare let it stop or slow down. So, yeah, they're going to churn out stuff, whether it be for TV, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, movies, comics. I mean, they've got all media that they've got to engross themselves into now. That is true. And I I thought the very first piece for, for this week's show especially given what a wonderful job you did with your Stan Lee tribute, that likewise how you ended your top five for the year on our last show. I I thought you'd be intrigued to hear that finally we have an official celebration of the life of Stan Lee coming up later this month. Oh, really? It's Kevin Smith, who I know you know, but Kevin evidently was the driving force on this, but he teamed up with the folks at Legion M and Agents of Mayhem, along with Stan's own POW Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird kind of split event where there's a public component as well as a private presentation. Public component is, is going to be happening on Wednesday, January 30th, and it's actually being held outside in the forecourt of the Chinese theater. The event kind of spins around where Stan did a a handprint and footprint ceremony back in July of 2017. So there'll be a moment of this presentation that involves that. There'll be uh, supposedly a display of a lot of the costumes and props that Stan wore when he was doing his various cameos for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of the size of the venue, and you need the stage for the guest speakers, and I guess there's going to be a musical performance and all that, there's only so many people that can safely fit into this outdoor venue. And so I guess through the Mayhem website, they made tickets available last week on kind of a first-come, first-served basis. Mm -hmm. And then directly following this... There's going to be sort of a private ceremony for Stan's friends and family and that sort of thing inside of the Chinese theater. I'm just kind of hoping that the folks at Agents of Mayhem or POW Entertainment have their act together and are at least smart enough to live stream this or or make some sort of a recording available. I don't know. For the private thing, I would think that they would keep that private, wouldn't they? Otherwise, they would let everyone in. Yeah. I mean, the public portion, I'm sure they would stream and tape and let the public say, hey, this is a way to commemorate Stan. Mm -hmm. But as far as the private one, if they're going to move something behind closed doors, I would expect them to keep them closed, so to speak. I guess so. It's just one of these things I'd hate, given clearly a lot of effort and thought is going into this. The online community, and I mean this the politest possible way, because of course people are listening to this online, but they tend to get a little negative in situations like this. If they didn't manage to score tickets, somehow this is this is terrible. Again, I'm hoping that they're smart enough to realize that an easy way around this is, hey, we're live streaming it. Right. Anyway, uh, speaking of Stan Lee, and of course, 
you know, we already talked about as part of this event, they'll be celebrating Stan's many cameos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, movies. But another aspect of what Stan really enjoyed about what happened when Disney took over Marvel is that suddenly there were all these animated series and that gave him yet another venue to do cameos in. I mean, they were strictly voice, mm-hmm. but they were still cameos. And it turns out the very last one that Stan recorded before he passed just ran this past Sunday on Disney XD. It was an episode of Marvel's Avenger, Black Panther Quest, and it features Stan doing the voice. It's a a scene that's a a flashback set in Mm -hmm. the 1940s, and it's Stan voicing an army general. I don't have to tell Aaron this. Aaron is already aware that I'm a technological idiot, but for those of you who are listening... I set up the DVR to record this thing, and I was so proud of myself, and I managed to record the wrong episode. (laughs) I got the episode before this, so I promise I will get it, and we can find out what what Stan's last cameo was involved. Somehow in my head, I'm imagining Stan trying to conjure up an Arlie Ermey type of thing for playing a, a squad leader or whatever. I don't know what he did. I didn't see it, but I'll have to track it down and check it out. But my first impression is, wouldn't that be cute if you tried to do a, hey, you pansy? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, that would have been fun. Oh, speaking of fun animated things, we've been talking about how the Walt Disney Company has been getting us all ready for the arrival of Captain Marvel in theaters on March 8th. And Among the things you have to do is you have to educate people about who this character is, and that's been part of the Marvel Rising animated series. I think we Mm -hmm. talked a couple of months ago about the initial installment, the 60 or 70 minute long movie that they did, and turns out they're they're doing another installment of this thing. It's called Marvel Rising Chasing Ghosts. It's built around new fan favorite Ghost Spider. Do you know this character? No. Okay, neither do I. But evidently, she's supposed to be teaming up with the Secret Warriors, and Captain Marvel has been featured as a character fairly prominent in the the Marvel Rising things. But that bows Wednesday, January 6th at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and that's on... It turns out that Marvel has a YouTube channel. It's called the Marvel HQ YouTube channel, but... By February 1st, if you want to watch Marvel Chasing Ghosts, it'll be available on the Disney Now app. So I can watch it on YouTube. I can watch it on the Disney Now app. I see no mention of Disney Channel or Disney XD. And it makes me feel old, Aaron. It's just sort of like, (laughs) you watch it on a normal television. Bah! You know, you are not a customer. You should be uh, mentally down with this type of approach because they're just doing the same thing that you're doing. They're creating content. They're putting it online. People go when they have time. They get it. They consume it. They wait for the next one. It's the same thing that we're doing here, just animated. Okay. I guess that's good. That's the right headset. And and speaking of things I'm supposed to get tomorrow on store shelves, we get Once Upon a Deadpool, which, again, just kind of floors me because this thing only arrived in theaters December 12th. And so what? That's a month and two days? Mm-hmm. The PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 didn't exactly set the box office on fire. It was an interesting experiment, but has only sold $6 million worth of tickets as of January 10th. 
Fox put it out in a fair number of theaters. It was in 1,566 theaters in North America. And then when you factor in that of that $6 million, Fox promised that out of every ticket sold, they donate a dollar to Fudge Cancer, which, by the way, had a much more adult name prior to... uh, Was it Brownie Cancer? Well, yes, let's go with that. Fudge brownie, that's the only connection I can see there. Okay. Uh, but yes, the, uh, prior to the PG-13 version of, of Once Upon a Deadpool being put out there, there was a different name. It's worth noting here that the nice folks at Fox are continuing to, to, to be supportive of fudge cancer because uh, for every copy of the Blu-ray or DVD of Once Upon a uh, Deadpool that's sold, they will continue to donate a dollar to... So oh, that's that's, that's why I'm going out tomorrow. I'm getting my copy. Yeah. We have the original R-rated version of Deadpool 2 mm-hmm. grossed over $734 million at the Worldwide Box Office back in 2018. And $318 million was was in ticket sales in the North America alone. So mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox isn't exactly hurting. No, that's, a, I mean, the first thing is Deadpool 1 and Deadpool 2 are notoriously inexpensive compared to other things like the Avengers Infinity War. This is true. So when you start with a small budget mm-hmm. and you still make bank on top of that, it's a, a massive, massive difference when you look at the end result net profit situation. Mm-hmm. So it's okay that they can be a little overindulgent and create a different cut of the movie and bring in Fred Savage and, and put this together to release in December, which we've already said was an incredibly crowded time to be in the theater. All true. So, yeah, it didn't make a bazillion dollars, but they didn't need it to. They didn't expect it to. It's not really a bad thing. And they're still continuing their contributions mm-hmm. to the cancer donations through the Blu-ray sales. So if they, it, you know, some people would say, oh, it's a double dip. But in this situation, they're like, no, this has actually got new material. It's got a little bit of charity going for it. It's not a greedy maneuver. It's just a way to share it with kids that couldn't go see the R-rated version that you love so much that everybody was talking about in school. True. But again, remember, this is Hollywood we're talking about. And when you make three quarters of a billion dollars, you get a sequel, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in December of last year, we have Bob Iger of the Walt Disney Company as they were initially talking about the Fox acquisition. And he's like, yeah, in regard to Deadpool, it's like there may be an opportunity for an R-rated Marvel brand at Disney as long as we let our audience know what's coming. And he said this because we'd had the R-rated Logan that did so well. We had the R-rated Deadpool and Deadpool 2 was already in the works. So here's... Ryan Reynolds out actually doing publicity for Deadpool 2. And he's speaking with entertainment reporters in Korea, and he says, as for Deadpool 3, you know, it's an odd thing to say, but I don't think there will be a Deadpool 3. I think going forward, it would be an X-Force movie, which would be his team, so to speak. Evidently, Fox thought this way as well, because... They hired Drew Goddard. You know and already love this guy's work, Aaron. He's, he's Oh, the, yeah. Cabin in the Woods was brilliant. I love that movie. He's the guy behind the Netflix Daredevil series that you yeah. said so many nice things about. But yeah. um, they signed him to write and direct an X-Force's spinoff movie, which, if all had gone according to the plan, was supposed to have gone into production at Fox last fall. I'm assuming that some of the people listening to the show 
are Hugh Jackman fans and are already aware of Ryan Reynolds' continued effort to persuade Hugh to come play Wolverine in a Deadpool movie. Hugh Jackman, and sorry if spoiling this for anybody who hasn't seen Logan yet, he effectively killed off the version of the character that he played with Logan. And just last month, Hugh was making an appearance on the Sunday version of the Today Show on NBC, and he was there promoting this world tour that he's, he's going to be doing later this year. And so Willie Geist, he asked Hugh about the character Wolverine, and Hugh starts off by saying, look, Wolverine will be back. Somebody's going to play him, just not me. And then he went, to, went on to say that Ryan Reynolds will just not let go of this idea of the two of them appearing in a Marvel movie where Deadpool and Wolverine team up. Jackman told guys, Ryan is relentless. He keeps coming back to me in, in every way, shape, and form. So taking into account that Jackman basically was unavailable even to shoot a cameo in the Drew Goddard X-Force movie this fall because he was getting ready for this concert tour. And we have the Walt Disney Company spending $71.0 billion on all those Fox movie and television assets. And just this past weekend, you have Rob Liefeld. He's the creator of Deadpool, and he posts on social media, pour one out for old X-Force. Victims of the merger, $800 million grocer easy. According to what friends at Disney told me, I called to find out what the hell this was about. This means that the X-Force movie that Drew Goddard had been signed to write and direct, which was then supposed to key off of the team that was introduced in Deadpool 2, is now dead in the water. Likewise, the Gambit movie mm-hmm. that Channing Tatum was supposed to have started in, that that's another project that, that Fox announced, and I guess there was a script. and They've been working on that for, it seems like, almost 10 years now, and I'm almost glad that it... Nothing against Channing Tatum, because he's a fine actor and all that. I know the ladies love him, but if something's been sitting there for nine years, chances are there's a problem with it. And unless they either scrap it or find that miracle solution to make that mystery problem go away... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That thing has never been on the fast track, never. It's always been a slow burn. So I'm kind of glad to see that just kind of drift off into, uh, we'll come to that again later some other day. The third film that supposedly got its plug pulled here was a Doctor Doom origin film. And good for that because, yeah. A, we've had Fantastic Four Mm-hmm. one and two, and then we had the reboot of Fantastic Four. So we've already seen Doctor Doom's origin twice. Mm-hmm. If you end up doing a Doctor Doom origin story without the inclusion of the Fantastic Four, then that's really not how Doctor Doom became Doctor Doom, so why? Mm-hmm. And then to go beyond that, I'm fairly certain that if Marvel wants to, you know, when they get these properties back into their stable, they're going to want to do things their way. And if you do a Doctor Doom origin movie now, how is it going to continue from there when everything lands back in Marvel's court? They're not going to continue with Doom Part 2 with whatever Fox started. They're going to look at that and go, yeah, that's not our fingerprints. That's not our property. We're going to do this our way. So there's just no point to do Doom right now unless they already had the money, they've burned it already, and it's already in photography. Otherwise, there's just no point. Well, I think you've really nailed what's going on here. So much of what 
that's just happened in regard to these three projects is about the Disney acquisition of Fox, which, by the way, the, the new timetable supposedly says that it's wrapped, it's done by March. When you talked about what just happened with the Fantastic Four movies mm-hmm. and the X-Men movies, and, and the notion is that Disney's, especially Kevin Feige, the gentleman who's in charge of Marvel Studios, uh, he's going to want to bring these IPs into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a very special way. And that's where this story takes an interesting bend because you're going to want to do something big mm-hmm. when you bring these characters in. You're going to want to do something that fans have really, 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 really wanted to see. And and in spite of Hugh Jackman's reservation, one of the things they really, really, really want to see is Hugh Jackman's version of Wolverine teamed up in some way with Ryan Reynolds' version of Deadpool. The pushback, from some fans is, you know, it's the effect of, but Logan, he's dead. You know, it's just like, yeah, but remember, as we saw at the tail end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, that time travel or the possibility of time travel has been introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and got it confirmed just this past weekend. We're going to see that pay off in a big way in Avengers Endgame. And they're looking as this is a possibility as a way Wolverine... I, I, and and Deadpool can get together and, and more to the point we just saw Cable in Deadpool two. It's it's not like time travel is such a big deal in a comic book story. So getting back to Once Upon a Deadpool, and again you know that this shows that a PG thirteen version of you know, the Deadpool character is possible and can be entertaining. And remember, while Bob Iger did say that maybe there's a space. For R-rated Marvel movies, but if you're going to launch the, the X-Men and make them part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, don't aren't you going to want them to be sort of the same ratings as Ant-Man of the Wasp and Captain America Civil War? And, I mean, you get the idea, right? Yeah, but Marvel's also had Marvel Knights, and they've been more bloody with uh, Punisher, Daredevil, and the stuff mm-hmm. that's on television and Netflix like mm-hmm. that. So I don't think that they're afraid of going more adult. Matter of fact, today I just read an article about there was some speculation, heavy, heavy air quotes around speculation, Mm -hmm. that the Black Widow movie might possibly get an R rating. They're not ruling out that possibility. And it was much on the success of Daredevil making bank, and it had an R rating, and they're like, okay, so... It is a possibility that we could go R if we chose to, if the circumstances were right. But I don't believe that Black Widow storyline necessarily warrants an R rating from any story I can conjure up in my head. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's a spy. I mean, she's going to snap necks and and do some kung fu badassery around (laughs) them. But I don't see anything going overtly sexual or bloody, bloody violent. Because really, we've got a lot of violence in our MCU. The only difference is there is absolutely zero blood in any of it. You know, unless it's Tony Stark having a little scratch on his cheek while he's wearing his Iron Man helmet from, you know, the interior shot. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really the only blood you see is a, a cut lip, a bruised cheek. But... When Wolverine slashes through somebody, there's usually no blood. I think Logan, they changed that where he ended up getting fairly bloody. And that's where the R rating really comes from is once you start adding a, a lot of viscous red blood, rating changes really, really fast. There you go. 
Okay, so we have our completion of the Disney Marvel acquisition in March. We have Hugh Jackman completing his world tour in July. And it will be interesting to look into the fall and see what's announced, what you know people talk about. If we're placing bets, I'm saying that Jackman is done with Wolverine forever. Marvel will relaunch the X-Men in their own unique way. I mean, we've got a Dark Phoenix movie coming out, and I'm guessing that if that's the last X-Men movie from Fox, then when Marvel gets their hands on it, it will be a completely 100% new cast, new story, new way to fold it into the current universe. Because really, they've recast... Cyclops, they've recast Storm already. Mm -hmm. There's no need for trying to hold on to some already fractured continuity. They've had their own time travel stories and messed with the timeline enough. It's time for a clean start. So, yeah, I, I don't see any of that happening. This is the Walt Disney Company we're talking about. And you may have noticed that the movie that's out in theaters right now, Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, but that's their property that they had from the beginning of time. I, that's I not it. like Fox did Mary Poppins and they ended up buying it and go, hey, now we're going to do our own. You know, that's that's a different ball of wax entirely. Okay, we'll roll the dice and see who. Could, <laughs> I suspect you are more correct than I in this situation, but again, well, what is, would they keep? I mean, what's not? I don't want to say worth keeping because it's not like it's all bad. It's, it's a mixed bag between mm -hmm. all the X Men movies. But what cast do you keep? Do you keep Patrick Stewart or do you go with James McAvoy? What if we're we're looking at this the wrong way? What if this isn't, in fact, a theatrical release? What if this is something that ends up on Disney Plus? No, 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 no. I mean, there, there's plenty of X-Men characters where they could certainly pick a couple, like mm -hmm. they're doing with Loki and Scarlet Witch. You know, those are individual people that are getting their own individual series. There is the team up between Falcon and Winter Soldier, Bucky, that mm -hmm. was in that mix as well. So there's a, a cool team up that I, I'm waiting to see and excited for. Mm -hmm. But as far as X-Men... Marvel's already had the Avengers side come out, and really, in the Marvel Universe comic-wise, you were either an Avengers fan or an X-Men fan, and they usually ended up having a tussle somewhere along the way, and then you got to go, oh, yeah, well, X-Men beat Avengers, or, you know, this Avenger beat that X-Men, and those are big, huge fan moments when you get to pit your favorite. That's kind of why Avengers always has heroes battling heroes, mm -hmm. because as kids, we were betting, who's stronger, Cap or Stark? And got boom, it. you got Civil War. Mm -hmm. So you have to have those types of moments based off of our childhood dreams of the, the heroes getting into a tussle. But beyond that, I think that now that the Avengers are kind of coming to their conclusion or afterwards we'll have a quote-unquote new Avengers with Doctor Strange and Spidey and mm -hmm. you know a whole new roster there. But after that... Now that Marvel's got X-Men back, I think that they would want to put them front and center the way that, look, the whole time that Fox was churning out movies, I am certain that in the Marvel castle, they were looking at that going, man, if we had that in our hands, it would be different in these 25 ways. Mm -hmm. And they were probably the harshest critics of those movies out of anyone in the world. 
I would imagine. So I think they've got big, big dreams for the X-Men once they actually get them back in their hands. And I wouldn't think that they would relegate that to television in any way, but they might take specific characters and move some of them over to give them more of a spotlight because cinematic-wise, you've only got a couple hours, two and a half hours to tell one story and put the spotlight on only so many characters. So, yeah, with so many X-Men available, some might land on TV, but the, the bulk of them, the core ones, are going to be in film. Let me throw one last little piece of information here, and, and I, I want your take on this. Mm. Again, chatting with my friend at Disney about what Feige supposedly has in the works. You're aware, obviously, of the Kree's Skrull War and... Mm -hmm. The was it Secret Wars where they were revealed that how many of the characters had actually been off world for for years and years and had been replaced by scrolls? Was that that would be the second Secret Wars? Okay, supposedly that's part of the conversations that they've had with like Chris Evans, who's playing Captain America, with the notion of. If, say, Chris were to take himself off the canvas for a couple of years and then come back... As a Cree? Well, that he had been a Cree? Well, you can't do so much good for all of humanity as a Cree. He would have to do something devious. I mean, he defeated Hydra. He mm. stopped the end of the world how many different times. He couldn't have been a Cree that whole time. He would have to have done something devious at I some point. I'm just saying this because it's the whole notion of we're bringing the Kree and the Skrull War to Earth with Captain Marvel. And you can't do that without introducing the repercussions. That if if they're here, in fact, the interesting thing is that in the most recent trailer, we see them wading in out of the beach. They take a look at people who are surfing and just transition into surfers. Right. This is being introduced for a reason that, you know, we're going to see a betrayal. So here's the only problem I can conceive of that. Mm. Captain Marvel takes place in the early 90s we've already established, right? Yep. Cap doesn't get thought out by then. Mm. Okay. I hate to burst that bubble, but I mean, chronologically, that don't work. No, 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 no. That's a very valid point, but we are talking the comic book universe where anything can happen. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, plenty of time while he's been thought out that he could have been replicated. But first off, we got to deal with Thanos. We don't have time for Kree. Well, I'm I'm thinking more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the past season where we had... Oh, yeah, you can have all kind of Kree mischief going on there. Yeah. But, I mean, as for right now, since we've got to wrap up Infinity War with Endgame, there's no time to play with that. You know, I mean, Captain Marvel will introduce it, but then we're going to go back to our strict Thanos diet for that. Then we go into Spidey, which is still dealing with Chitari tech mm -hmm. in his timeline. And then what's after that? Doctor Strange and Black Panther, I doubt, are going to be riddled with Kree there. Mm -hmm. So... There's not a lot of places. It's going to be after I think Avengers is done and we have something new, like a new roster to assemble after that, then we could have a Kree or Secret Wars there. Okay. I was just warned that Phase 4, there are interesting things being set up with these next two films. And Okay. Well, yeah, if they start laying breadcrumbs now, they can do whatever they want. So There you right. go. Okay. How about this? We're going to take a quick commercial break here when we get back. 
We're going to talk about the PS4 Spider-Man game and all the cool stuff you can find or Marvel-related stuff you can find when you're wandering around the CG version of Manhattan. Just last week, they finally began working on turning over at Disneyland Paris the New York Hotel, the, the or excuse me, Disney's Hotel New York. Let me get the name right. They're in the process of changing that over to Disney's Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel. And the way they describe this, it's the decor of the hotel is inspired by the style of Tony Stark and the Avengers headquarters. And so they are changing out 476 rooms, standard rooms of the hotel, 65 executive suites, and an additional eight standard suites. And, and it's all made of glass. <laughs> inspired by stark there we go but it's evidently every wall of this hotel is going to have limited edition pieces of marvel art there's going to be mm. in the main lobby of the hotel there's going to be this wall of iron man suits that are just just stunning and the whole aesthetic of the hotel is changing over to that of a contemporary new york art gallery when you do this sort of upgrade and this retool of a look, a look it, it is going to take a while. That They mm-hmm. will not be officially completely changed over till the summer of 2020. So we've got 18 months of thereabouts. We mentioned New York, and again, the PS4 Spider-Man game is, is set in Manhattan. I want to mention, especially for all of you Adventurers Club fans out there, that there's this cool little bend on this project that brings in the Adventurers Club. In this version of the Spider-Man universe, J. Jonah Jameson has a podcast as opposed to a newspaper. I I don't entirely understand that. I don't understand how J. Jonah could be the powerful media person that he is with a podcast. It's called uh, Get Spidey, where he just gets on the on the mic and he's like, hey, have you seen Spider-Man? He's a menace. I want everyone in New York to get out there. I'll offer you $500,000 for the head of Spider-Man. And okay. that's an hour. That could well be. <laughs> but By the way, that's a great Jonah. But the interesting thing, in the game, J. Jonah Jameson is voiced by Darren DePaul, who was a member of the original opening cast of the Adventurers Club at Walt Disney World's Pleasure Island. And he was, it was such a talent. So we were getting back to the version of Manhattan for Spider-Man PS4 game. And you've got things like Madison Square Garden. You've got the Empire State Building. So, you, you know, okay, I know this place. But at the same time, you take a look at the Upper East Side and it's like, that's Stark Tower, but it fits in seamlessly. Right, and if you're playing the game, if you, you if you decide you're Spidey and you're going to climb Stark Tower, first of all, it's a chore. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. supposedly just one foot shorter than the Freedom Tower. Right. Oh, uh, and and I guess Tony's got all sorts of devices set up on the outside of the building to prevent what Spidey is trying to do. But if you you manage to make it to the top, that's one of those little award medal type things you get if you play the game. Sure. What's fun is if you get, whether you're doing the 30,000 foot view and, and, you know, you have Stark Tower in the distance, or you get down to ground level and you're in the financial district, what's fun is how it's the New York that we know today, but it's not. You're in the financial district and you go to where the Charging Bull statue is. And it's not the Charging Bull, 
it's the dog from the Inhumans. <laughs> Lockjaw? <laughs> it, pretty yeah, much in the yeah. same pose. Uh, for somebody who, for years and years, has been reading the comic books, the fact that, for example, you can make your way to Greenwich Village, and if you, you yeah. wander around long enough, you can eventually make your way to 177A Bleecker Street, and here's Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. I've never been to New York City, mm -hmm. but I've looked at maps. I've, yep. I know there's a Broadway, and I know how they the streets run. You know, east to west, north and south, and yep. I think Broadway kind of goes diagonally. But when you're playing in even the old PS2 Spider-Man Two, when you're in the free roam in New York. Mm -hmm. I'd spend so much time swinging around Times Square because it was beautiful. And I imagined, boy, if I ever could go to Times Square, the one thing I'd want to do is swing around it like <laughs> Spider-Man because I'm obsessed with it like that. Uh -huh. And I would spend so much time to swing around. And then you would find these places that don't exist. Mm -hmm. And so I always imagine like if you were a, New a native New Yorker, like Len Testa, a few months out of the year, lives in New York, and I just want to see what he would do if he were to get get a PS4 and walk around his local neighborhood, how much it looks like his local neighborhood, and then, like, you'd almost have to want to go on a walking tour of, well, the Sanctorum is over here, so let's mm -hmm. go check out what actually is there. Or Stark Tower is covering up what building? Let's go find out. That's an excellent idea, and... Clearly, the folks in Insomniac aren't just lovers of, of Marvel. I mean, for example, if you make your way down to Tribeca mm -hmm. and, you know, find your way to Canal Street, if you, you wander around long enough, you can eventually find the Ghostbusters firehouse. Oh, sweet. One of the, uh, the more intriguing aspects of the game is remember that Peter Parker, when he'd have to change into his outfit, he'd take his backpack and pull out his Spidey outfit, change into it, and web it to the side of a wall before he went off and battled Doc Ock or the Vulture or that sort of thing. And so right. in this game, there are 55 backpacks that Spider-Man, <laughs> as a high school student, managed to leave behind. And what's fascinating is that you can find them. One of them, for example, has Spidey's original web slingers. Or, you know, there's another one where I know you'll love this, but... It features the business card for Matt Murdock. I need an attorney, and you know. Actually, you had me sold at the original web shooters because those are my favorite out of the bunch. Are they so, really? Yeah, oh. absolutely. There was actually a prop replica years ago mm. of those that were many, many hundreds of dollars, and I've always been tempted to pull the trigger on them. And now, because they're no longer on the market, they're incredibly hard to find. And when you do find them, they're incredibly, incredibly expensive. So I have yet to land those in the net, but one day, one day. Okay. Getting back to Matt Murdock, if you make your way over to Hell's Kitchen, you can find your way to, to Matt's office. And I love the level of detail. He had trouble keeping the office afloat. And so you get to the office and there's an eviction notice in the door. They've fallen behind on the rent again. Or, of course um, there is. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, and all, you know, if you manage to find your way to Alias Investigations, you know, where J Jessica Jones is set up, same thing. There are past due bills taped to her door. Should be a response of, can I pay you in Ludafisk? Because that's <laughs> what our clients gave us for payment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it sounds like such a fun game to play. And at the same time, what's very cool about when you, you're moving Spidey around the city and he's observing, again, finding these places with you, that, that he'll do things like when he's looking at the Sanctum Sectorum and just say something to the effect, I think there's something strange going on in that place. 
or mm-hmm. get or he's outside the Wakanda, uh, uh, you know, the embassy, embassy, which is up in Midtown. That evidently, there's a bronze uh, panther over the door of the building, and Spidey, you know, uses that he wonders that the Black Panther got his powers by being bit by a radioactive panther. Right. I mean, just I, I love the smartass aspect of it, but yeah, the game can turn on a dime if you make your way to the graveyard where Uncle Ben is is buried and you find the gravestone, you have Spidey suddenly launches into a speech about how he's trying to honor his uncle. He's trying to do right. And um, Does he utter the words great power or great responsibility during that time? You know, I don't know. but <laughs> Odds we, are we will, in favor. <laughs> you know, we will have to check this out. But forgive me for not getting into the gameplay of... The PS4, that aspect of it, Sony Entertainment and their infinite wisdom has continued. If you, you've got the game, they have additional downloaded content that's become mm-hmm. available over time. And it's frustrating now that I guess if you go to the Sanctum Sanctorum, you can't get in. But not necessarily guaranteeing in the future that that building may not open or may open. Uh, likewise, getting into the Wakanda Embassy. That screams DLC content in the future. Yeah, here's open. Here's open. But for those of you who've actually played the game, we uh, Aaron and I would love to hear what you know what you have to say, what your favorite aspects are, or if you found uh, any Marvel-related Easter eggs that you want to share, please pass those along. So uh, on behalf of Mr. Adams and myself, thanks for listening tonight, and we'll be back with a new show shortly. Take care, folks. More Marvelous Disney will be coming soon. In the meantime, check out one of the other great shows found only on the Jim Hill Media Network.